Welcome to the Money Making Women podcast with me, Ray Dodd. I'm a money and business coach who believes that you are absolutely capable of earning life-changing amounts of money. I also believe that doing so is not as straightforward as the internet makes out. If you're looking for a conversation that goes beyond pure manifestation and hustle and into the nuance and intersections of what it means to be a money-making woman, then this is the space for you. Welcome to the podcast, Natalie. It's, I'm so excited to have you. Um, Natalie is an author, podcaster, speaker and coach, right? Is that what you would call yourself a coach or not? Uh, that's always the 50 million pound <laughs> question, isn't it? Um, I, I get, you know, it's funny. I, d- I have done coach, but I never really call myself a coach. Okay. As such, I think it's because of all of the stuff that's been going on over the last few years. Uh-huh. And I know from listening to you that you've had that sort of feeling as well yeah. at times. But of course, I have coached people and I've met, done a lot of mentoring. Okay, so we can say and mentor. Let's go with that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and Natalie talks about relationships, boundaries, self-care and loads more than that as well. And I wanted to talk to somebody on the podcast for ages. I mean, before I even had a podcast, just wanted to talk about how money shows up uh, within our relationships, both uh, romantic relationships, but also families, friends, all sorts of things. Um, and when your name, you shared the podcast the other day, or well, a few weeks ago now, it was before Christmas, and I was like, Lou, yes, that's who I <laughs> want to speak to. I was something like, ah, because you actually, I don't know if you were, probably won't have connected these two things, but you did a bonus for my sister-in-law, who's Hand Bullivant. Yes, love, yeah. love her, yeah. So I was like, why did I not? Uh, so straight away, I messaged you, I think in the new year, I was like, do you want to be on my podcast? And you said yes, which is so wonderful. So I'm so excited to chat to you about all of this. Do you want to add anything to my intro? Is there anything like you would say about yourself that people need to know? Well, I think something I find myself saying to people is that, you know, um, like our habits around like some of our crappy relationships or how we are with money or how self-critical we are. Well, I do for all of that emotional baggage that drives that. I do what Marie Kondo does for your home, but instead I'm doing that for your emotional baggage. So it's all that sort of decluttering and the processing of that. And it's almost like looking at stuff and going, oh, why do I do things in the way that I've done them for as long as I've done them? And is it possible? that I could do it in a different way. Yeah. And do I have to tell this story in the same way I've been telling it for the last like 30 years? Or is there a possibility that I could look at this differently and that this could make a difference to my life? It's almost like we have these overstuffed closets, you know, wardrobes, storage, full of stuff that we've been carrying around all yeah. our lives because we all have emotional baggage. Mm-hmm. But it's the tidying up. It's like, we don't have to store it like a big ball of crap, like in there. We can yeah. fold it up. We can get rid of some of the stuff out of there. We yeah. don't have to continue to carry it the same way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. So can you tell us a bit about how, what you, like you said a bit about what you do already, but how did you come to do what you do? Well, let's see. I had a pattern of being in, let's just call it shitty relationships. <laughs> So I had a pattern of being with emotionally unavailable men who were still somewhat attached to the umbilical cord or to their mother's apron strings and who would chase me very hard at the beginning. And then the withdrawing, the blowing hot and cold, the I don't want a relationship, all this type of stuff. I had woeful boundaries. I was a people pleaser. I was a perfectionist. I had daddy issues, mommy issues, you name it, it was there. But I just called it there's something wrong with me. 
Yeah. And I started blogging in June 2004. Mm -hmm. And it was after a bad date. And I wanted to talk out loud about why is it that I said that I wanted to be with a nice guy. And yet whenever I was around somebody who was quote unquote nice, I was like, like turned off. Yeah. And tended to gravitate to, well, anything but that. And so I started this blog and that was June, 2004. And speaking out loud actually allowed me to notice patterns in my life. And so when I went for a whole load of upheaval in my life, really, really shit health, finally confronted my relationships, I had so many people going, you're talking about me. Like you're talking about things that I've not seen talked about. And I was like, this is a bit weird because I've always thought I was a weirdo. (laughs) <laughs> and I've always thought like, this is like just all my stuff, but there's loads of people like me. So I started Baggage Reclaim just over a year into my blogging journey. And that was with the aim really of, I wanted to help at least one person avoid what I had been through yeah. or help somebody get out of that situation. And so I started off talking about really what I'd noticed, all of my observations. And it turns out I, this is a skill I've had since I was like about five. Yeah, I hear you. Probably probably earlier than that, noticing things. I always knew who was having an affair. (laughs) I always knew who was up to no good. Yeah, gets you into trouble when you're a kid, though. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, and that's how I started off. And it's just, I just kept sharing my insights, my observations. And I've got a way of sort of reverse engineering things and helping people to see what's going on behind the scenes in terms of our dynamics, what's driving our behavior. People tell me as little as like 30 seconds of their story. And I'm like, oh yeah, there's this pattern, this pattern, this Mm -hmm. must've gone on. So yeah. And then from there, it's like, I've I've been doing it full time. Oh my gosh, it'll be 13 years on Sunday. Amazing. So you're like a real OG internet person then. Like you were there, like when was, was that blogger or something that you were using then? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a geriatric blogger. I'm almost got my stripes of shady pines at this point. Yeah, I use, I had a blogger. Mine was called Ray Makes Do, and it was all about sewing back then, Ooh. a long time ago. Yeah. Um. So do you? And this is just my interest, really. You know, like in that way that you connect things in your work, the way that you can see those patterns and stuff. Are most of those sort of thoughts and ideas just coming from within your own brain and your own instincts, or do you do a lot of like reading and researching around? Now, this is uh, this is an interesting question because people always assume that I have read like a ton of Mm. self-help or psychology. And actually, I will tend to read anything but that. Like I will pick up inspiration from like children's books or something Mm. I've watched. But a lot of it is from this intuitive knowing. And what's happened is I've I've really it's a lot of observation and more researching what people are telling me and looking at the themes and the patterns and rather than let me go and study psychology yes or let me go and do a whole load of scientific research around that and that's ended up being a really strong usp for me i love that and it's it's so interesting for me because i'm a real like you know when you do personality tests and stuff oh yeah yeah i always come out as somebody like that connects things and people often say to me like where did you get that idea from i'm like i don't know my brain Like, and I, I actually do do a lot of research because I am a nerd about things, but I have to let it sit with me so it becomes part of my stuff. And then it's like, so I, I kind of a bit of both. But I just love that yeah. question because I love like hearing how other people do that connecting of patterns thing. And I think initially as well, part of it was that I, I didn't want to get too colored by if I started reading a whole load of 
I don't know, relationship books yeah. or whatever it was. I didn't want to get too colored by that. Now, like, I mean, I read, I read a lot and, you know, I read both fiction and nonfiction. I don't read very typical sort of the relationship self-helpy stuff, you know, from the, the old style stuff, mm -hmm. but I do read quite a broad spectrum stuff. So now I'm more inclined to read stuff than I was yeah. in the days, but not so much necessarily for the research. It's like, what does that spark off? Yes, me? absolutely. I totally agree with that. That's exactly. And how can I connect that with other ideas I've had? And what does yeah. that mean about that thing I thought before? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I used to do? Um, and I do do this to a point now, but I, my um, my patience for it has worn thin as, as time's gone on. I used to read books that I really didn't agree with in order to see what it sparked. So I would read something by like some a white middle-aged man, for example, that I knew mm. wasn't, didn't have kids or if he did, he had a wife that looked after them for him. And so wasn't going to understand my kind of way of doing it. Mm -hmm. But um, and that used to spark some interesting stuff, but I have got no time for it anymore. Yeah, now it's I'm exhausting. Like, I can't be bothered with these gymnastics. So, <laughs> yeah. Does money, is money a topic that comes up when you're speaking to clients of yours? Like, uh, um, yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. It comes up all the time. Mm. And the funny thing is, a pattern that I noticed was that often people would get in touch with me about a relationship and yes the relationship was an issue but what became evident is that part of why they were in this relationship was that they were hiding from their potential or their purpose in some way it, like for instance with work wow. and there were some worth issues in there that okay yeah some of those related to a relationship but they were using a relationship to avoid really stepping into the thing that they needed to do somewhere else. Yeah. Or I would hear from people and they would want to talk to me about work. And that's been going on for a long time now. Like before it was at the start, it was romantic relationships, but now just people just get in touch with me about everything. But people would get in touch with me about a, a work situation and they would talk about money as part of that. And then what you would notice is that was feeding into something else that they were hiding from in a relationship. So work and our relationships and money are very closely intertwined. And what's interesting, actually, is that in particular with women, is I would hear from a lot of women who the way that they were talking, you'd swear they were like a hop, skip and a jump away from being on Skid Row. Yes. Like, yes. I'm going to be in a cardboard box, like the, the terror they were experiencing, the fear of making decisions. And so I'd be like, okay, so in order for you to leave the shitty job, mm. right, to get out of this situation, so leave the shitty job or get out of this relationship or whatever, let's, for argument's sake, say you would need, what, three to six months worth of, you know, expenses as such yeah. so that you could sort of plant your feet, figure out your next steps. What comes out next? Oh, well, I've got like a year, two years, however many years savings. And you go, wait, what? Like, yeah. Total disconnect between, or you go, okay, so you would have to then figure out like, okay, so what, how you would like make money. Oh, I know how I'd make money. So hold on a second. So you know how you'd make money or you have savings or, or you actually know what the next steps are, mm -hmm. but you're actually behaving as if like, you will be in a cardboard box by the end of the week if you have to do something different. 
I had no idea we were going to talk about this and I cannot tell you how excited I am <laughs> come up because I hear this all the time all the time and I have exactly that conversation oh and then it's like no well I've got this much money and I'm like okay so what's what's going on so what talk to us a bit about what do you think is going on there and I'm yeah. sure it's different but like are there broad themes I think that I mean what's interesting is actually I mean I don't think she's going to listen to the podcast so but my mom I grew up with my mom having this attitude. And in fact, I have also been guilty of it at times as well. And like my mom has been somebody who it didn't matter how radically different her financial circumstances were from her childhood or another point in adulthood. It's like she was still sometimes had that poverty mindset. And sometimes she was like acting as if she had a lot less than she did. So I think that what can happen is there's this sort of disconnect where we're sometimes so caught up in the emotional response, almost the nervous system response to a stressful situation that we don't actually check in and go, okay, hold on a second. What year am I in? How old am I? Where am I? What are my circumstances now? So we actually have the emotional response as if we are three or five or 10 or 13, or we act as if, oh, you know, all of that like growth that I have had like over the last year or five or 10, oh, that doesn't matter in this situation. I'm still like that person that I was before. So we get stuck in this thing of, it's almost like we won't allow us to evolve into into who we are. And instead, it's like we're judging the situation based on who we were in the past. But I also think, and, you know, I'll hold my hands up to this, and I've talked openly about this before, when we went through the mortgage process for the first time as me being self-employed, I lost my shit for several weeks. I became deeply, deeply triggered Mm. by the And I was acting as if our whole life was going to collapse around us because we were going through this process. And I believe that we are in relationship with everything. Mm -hmm. Like we interact with everything. And so we have a relationship with food. We have a relationship with alcohol. We have a relationship with the media. We have a relationship with learning every last thing in our life, including money. We have a relationship with it. And so when we consider how we interact with it, do we feel good in our interaction with it? Do we feel small in our interaction? Do we get triggered by it? Are we behaving in ways that we would consider to be very uncharacteristic? This starts to give us clues that we don't have necessarily the best of relationships with something. And so what I see with a lot of people is the way that they're talking about their situation reflects baggage, not necessarily what is going on. And so they're talking as if they're going to be in a cardboard box at the end of the week, but it's the baggage. It's like the stories that are coming up. And some of it is not even their own experiences. It could be like, oh, I heard my mom and dad one day when I was eight years old talking about how such and such walked away from their job. And oh, yeah, well, you know, they screwed it up there. Wouldn't be surprised if they end up flipping broken destitute. And we've picked up this little thing and we don't even realize it's that. And then fast forward, like 20, 30, however many years later, we're now trying to make a life decision based on some crap we heard. Yeah, that's really interesting because when I I asked my um, my Facebook group and my Instagram followers some questions, like some sort of situations that they would like to talk about. 
and one person was talking about how growing up money was a very stressful thing in her yeah. house and my family it was the same me um, also yeah yeah I do like do you remember like my dad used to do the receipts like we don't do that so much now but he'd like balance <laughs> the accounts and I just remember being the most stressful part of like the month every time just being like oh god he's gonna be so like not enjoying yeah. it um and she was saying um that what she finds now is not so much actually in her business but when it comes to talking about saving or personal finances she can't do it without getting really stressed out and so I was wondering where do we start with this when we're having this historic response to a current situation what I really encourage people to do there's a couple of things you can do so one is get a few pieces of paper give yourself a good you know make sure you got like a good 15 20 minutes or so three and write down anything and everything that you associate with money so all of your money memories any sayings you've heard any experiences like bullet list I'm not talking like write out a paragraph or anything like I'm in a generation where it was constantly said money is the root of all evil like and it's funny I rarely hear that now unless Mm -hmm. somebody is on the topic of talking about money for instance in an episode like this yeah but in my day-to-day life that saying came up so often in my childhood because I'm like born 1977. For some reason, everybody liked talking about money doesn't grow on trees yeah. and money is the root of all evil. And that people, and this would be my mom saying in a Jamaican way, people can be so bad-minded when you have stuff. Like people get jealous of you, envious of you if you have stuff. Yeah. And so what I encourage people to do is to sit down and be like, right, what are my positive and negative associations with money? What stories spring to mind? What experiences spring to mind as soon as I start thinking about money? Any sayings, any of that? Now, you think, oh, done and dusted in a few minutes I will be. Mine was like two and a half A4 pages back in front and I could keep going. Mm. There was so much in there. And I did that around the time of when I was going through the mortgage process and it was eye-opening. Because rather than my stepfather doing the receipts as such, I grew up in Dublin and Ireland and my, I was an only girl. So my mom, it was like, she has to go to private school. Right. And so I went to like an all girls private Catholic convent school. I was the only black person. And I was also the only Protestant, like Church of England, Church of right. Ireland. And um, my stepfather had a good job, but my mom ignored that data. And like every time the school fees, every time it was time to pay school fees, be flipping a week like big time like getting super stressed out about it and every time I don't know she was having and it wouldn't necessarily be that something was actually problematic but she would be stressing about money all the time so I've picked up messages money is stressful money is something that if you talk about it it's going to be very stressful money makes you lose your shit money can turn you into somebody who's shady you know all of this type of stuff and there's negative experiences of loaning people money or borrowing money So all of this stuff, like, have you ever borrowed money? Have you ever not paid back money? People have negative associations of money because of having privilege when they were growing up. So it's like, write down everything. And it doesn't, it's not just about what you think has happened to you. If it pops into your head and it's something to do with your neighbor or your cousin's cousin's cousin or something that happened like in the past generation, it belongs on there. Because every time you interact with money, 
some of this stuff is coming up. And I'll, the sum is when you go back through that list one by one, notice which stuff sets off uh, some sort of emotional response in you. Mm. Um, and you know, that almost visceral response. And yeah. so notice which stuff you're like, like, and there's especially notice anything where you're like, well, why the hell is that coming up? I don't want to go and put that down. Yeah. Anything like that. That's the stuff that every time you interact with money or every time you're in certain situations, that is what's coming up for you. Yeah. And there's emotional charge around those experiences. Like something that came up on my list was when I was 10 years old, uh, I used to get uh, the bus to school uh, with my brother and I was, I'd made scrunchies. And I think it was maybe my, an early experience of entrepreneurialism. Mm. And I had a ton of orders for scrunchies, like from school. And I left my stock on the bus. Do you know how many times this thing has popped into my head in the early years of working for myself? Mm. Like, so it's just like random stuff like that. And so don't try to over-rationalize and be like, oh, well, that doesn't, that doesn't seem relevant. The other thing then as well, that even if you didn't do that, the next time you find that you're like getting stressy about money or you're avoidant or whatever it is, pause, ask the question, what's the baggage behind this? So where else have I felt, thought, or acted similarly? What does this situation remind me of? Or who does this situation remind me? Like that will tell you what is coming up for you. Now it might be specifically money related, but it might be something else where you go, well, whoa, whoa. But that's the reason yeah. in that particular instance, why you are freaking out over the money like that. And it might be something where you go, oh, and immediately you can be like, oh, well, that's not true. Well, that doesn't matter anymore because, you know, now I'm however old I am and I'm in a different situation. But if we don't notice this stuff, then we just carry on. And it's so powerful, isn't it, to be able to look at it, like to be able to put words to it and actually rather than just feel the feeling, feel what, what surrounds that feeling and what's provoked that feeling. It's incredibly powerful. Yeah, there's, we have a lot of self-forgiveness work to do around money, mm. right? As women, we've received some very confusing and conflicting messages around money and worthiness and being purposeful and working and educating ourselves and just what it is to be a woman. You know, as I said, I'm, you know, I'm born 1977, I'm 43 at the moment. And I grew up in a time where I was told women can have it all. Yes. So I, that was that you just heard it all the time. The media was saying it. And so we were told, oh, oh you can go, you, you have to go to university. You have mm -hmm. to seize the opportunities. You have to go and get the J-O-B, the big career and have the, the man or the woman and the kids. Well, actually back then they weren't even encouraging you to have a same sex relationship, but it's mm -hmm. like, you can be all the things. At the same time though, you were on one side here and that. And on the other side, you were hearing, we need a man for security. That's what yeah. I heard Yeah, me too. when I was growing up. Yeah. What are you going to do without a man? You need a relationship. Well, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? So there's all of this confusing stuff. Plus I'm black. So I've also had it, I've internalized the message through experience, but also internalized the message through direct communication that mm -hmm. I have to work a thousand times harder. Yeah. So it's like your pound you know, that you get for doing whatever, I have to put in a thousand times the effort or whatever it is to get the same thing. So there is this, there are so many different 
conflicting messages yeah. around money and like I found that because of this woman woman has to be like self-sufficient feminism and and I'm not saying feminism in a derogatory way I mean in the way that it's peddled to us as this great salvation for our life and that we have now got to pave a path because you know we are the women of these generations and so you get these messages and then it's like when you're in a relationship you feel nervous about money and so as a woman, you're going, well, I don't want to be seen as being one of those women who needs to ask her husband for some help with money, or I don't want to seem like I can't manage my money. So then we have issues around talking about money yeah. or asking for help or asking for support or, or even just like taking an interest in our money because, oh, well, that's the man's job or, oh, well, I can't do that because I'm not good with numbers because I've been told that actually I'm not. So yeah. we're carrying a lot of stuff. Yeah, so much stuff. When you lay it out like that, it's just so much stuff it's it's um, weighty some of yeah. the cultures are not some cultures are not comfortable with you having money as a woman or it's okay for you to have money just as long as you don't have more money than for instance your husband yeah or yeah. your family yeah I was going to say I think there's a big part especially for um well a number of families but I know like working class families where the the parents now probably grandparents sort of age have worked really hard and they've worked their way out of certain situations to give you inheritance and mm -hmm. then you might out earn that situation and be like well the inheritance will be nice but it's not going to be life-changing and that yeah. can be I know that's been an issue for so many people where it's like oh what am I saying about the sacrifices that those people that came before me did if I actually out earn them and and the, those that generation can always also feel that they're kind of proud of you and also a bit like yeah, absolutely. Because you, you get that in working class. You also get that in like immigrant mm -hmm. families as well, where, you know, when you are the child of immigrant parents or immigrant grandparents, you're reminded whether it is directly, well, when I was your age, I didn't have any shoes. I didn't go to school. I didn't do this or indirectly because you just see how hard they work and they're out of the house all the time or you know, you have to be left with relatives or whatever. So you get the message, oh, wow, like they have to sacrifice a lot. To be fair, most of them actually tell you, yeah. I sacrificed a lot for you yeah. to blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so there is this sense of, oh, well, I have to do the degree or do the job or run the business or not run the business, basically live my life in a way that allows them to feel good and that shows my appreciation for the sacrifices that yeah. they've made for me. Yeah. And so again, we might then play it small and under earn because we don't want to seem like we're being ungrateful yeah. to our family for having made those sacrifices, like yeah. let them be big. Yes. And I also think as well that again, and I'm speaking of course from my experience, but I also know plenty of others from immigrant families that when for instance, you grow up in this country or in Ireland, and you are, are black or, or Asian or mixed, you sometimes have your parents saying to you, look, I know that your white friends can do da 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 da, da. You're not white. Yeah. So you can't blah, 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 blah. And you, you actually don't agree with those things when you're older, but those things embed themselves into yeah. your, your, your psyche where it's like, you don't realize that some of the things that you do are because you don't want to appear to be not like acting like, you're black for yes. instance yeah. it's so fascinating yeah and that's huge that's such a complicated element of self 
I don't know. I don't know if self-acceptance is not the right word, but just being you, <laughs> just being who you yeah. are in both those spaces is very tricky in what you've described. Yeah, I, it's, I think there's, a, a, as humans, full stop, there's a lot for us to juggle. Yeah. And then when you start to throw in gender yeah. uh, and, and race yeah. and sexuality and, of course, everything that we're also carrying around that plus whatever other emotional baggage that you, that we have as well you can see how some of our feelings about not just money and earning and our sense of purpose but even just our feelings of self-worth mm. can get entangled in yeah. there as well because as you say money's just a tool yeah but what we oh. do is we see money as denoting yeah something yeah 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 and it's that thing is it's money's just pull but like like it that's if we really strip it down but actually in in terms of the emotions we feel like I, I'm, I'm very fond of a number of sayings but one of the things I'll often say is like money can make you like you can feel joyful sad full of grief um excited um lost all these different things about money but money's an object so we're bringing that well I say we're bringing that we're bringing it, but we're really via society and via all these experiences. Mm. That's all coming onto the money. The money itself, if you boil it down, is yeah, it's an object tool, but that doesn't mean that those feelings and all of that stuff is not real about our experience with it. Yes. You know, it's funny you say that. It's the first time I've remembered this for a while, but my father passed away in March 2017. And it was about a week afterwards, and I was sending an email newsletter to say, hey, guess what? This has happened and I'm not gonna be around like for a while. And as I was writing it in the way that I do, I expressed this realization that I had had in that week. And it was this, it was realizing that I had turned, at times turned money into like a parent. Mm -hmm. So in the sense of, not that money was parent to me, but because I'm a recovering people pleaser, I, in looking at my life and evaluating it and, and using that for self-exploration, but also to help others, I noticed that when money was flowing in and things were good, I'm like, duh, 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 duh. happy days, I'm doing well. And then I would take it very personally mm-hmm. if it wasn't. Yeah. And when I, can, when I then asked myself the question, well, where else have I felt this way? Or where else do I have this thing? I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm even a people pleaser with feckin' money. <laughs> like I'm actually trying to people please money. Yeah. Like look at how hard I work because yeah. I do think that we have internalized messages and I don't know if you identify with this, you know, being in this sort of online space and doing mm-hmm. the coaching and running online courses and all these things. When you're, you're, you're giving and you're creating and you're supporting, there is this sense of, well, I'm doing all of these things. And it's not you're going, well, I'm doing all of these things. So I should just like have the money just you know, piling in onto me. But there is on some level, certainly for me, there was this sense of, well, I am showing up and I am creating and I am delivering. So if people are not buying things in droves, as now I've the online marketing gurus have conditioned me that they should be, yeah then I must be doing something wrong and I'm not doing it well enough. Yes. So I, and when I express this out loud, I had so many messages from people going, oh my gosh, like 
I feel like that about mm-hmm. my, like I know money is not my dad or my mom yeah. but now what I see in my bank account or how well I expect something to perform like a launch or whatever mm-hmm. if it doesn't I have the same feelings of inadequacy yeah. that I have around my parents yeah. I love I do absolutely resonate with that but I've never thought of it that way and I love the way that you said that around the parent thing and that kind of almost like money is disapproving of you like because we talk in one of my courses um we use the drama triangle and like look at how we think love the drama triangle me too have you done the have you read the empowerment dynamic version it's a really weird book that is basically printed in comic sans which is a problem although very good for people with dyslexia i think very good for reading it but like from a design perspective not so cool but yeah it it basically turns around those the drama triangle into the empowerment dynamic and moves across the roles it's really interesting and we do that with money and I don't love the word victim I need to think of a different word but that whole feeling of being like you're a victim of the money like it's not kind of you it doesn't want you and it's horrible and it feels you feel so the classic example is people just going I have the price that didn't sell so it's the price like no one wants it because the price is like that's it's rarely the reason nobody bought yeah it will be the reason some people didn't buy because yeah. they, they weren't in that position but nobody like people can afford all different sorts of things even now even in covid during yeah COVID, mm-hmm. like some people have, have actually been better off in that time and you know it's not the price it will be something else and it will be quite a businessy thing probably not yeah. because you're a piece of shit <laughs> which is often yeah. what we come to and it is that sort of depersonalizing things that we see as money being an expression of. It's like, yeah. hold on a second. If that doesn't go well, that doesn't make me a failure. Yes. And it doesn't mean that I'm unworthy and it doesn't mean that I didn't try hard enough. And that was a real eye opener for me. It's like, oh my God, like I've turned money into a substitute parent. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So the, these, these two kind of link together, but I'll start with this first one. So Another person was saying that um, they this marriage is actually like she's split up with this person now, but it was a big it was a big issue at the time, and it comes up a lot with clients. This kind of struggle between two different ways of dealing with money. So one person being more kind of maybe they've done some self development work on themselves or healing stuff, and then more kind of like I don't like the word abundant. I can't think of anything else. Let's say plenty because that's my word I would use. Yes plentiful minded mm-hmm. and the other person is much more like in their pain with it holding it scared of mm-hmm. spending it or very stressed out about it when they talk about it how do people manage that difference yeah so um the thing about money and relationships is having an ongoing dialogue about money mm-hmm. and in the sense of understanding where each of you are coming from and being open to noticing opportunities to recognize, oh, like that's a habit or, oh, that's the baggage showing up is absolutely crucial to sort of the emotional intelligence of your relationship. Because it's all too easy to see how somebody is interacting with money and be like, well, what the frick's wrong with them? Yes. Or or judge yourself. And it's like, it's the baggage thing again. In any given situation, we've got our baggage and they've got theirs. And so it's like, what is it that informs the way that that person, for instance, with the plentiful mindset, what's informing that? And what maybe do we potentially stand to gain from that? And similarly, the person with the plentiful mindset also then has to be 
empathetic and notice, okay, well, what's coming up for this person around money for them? Because I think that when you can have these open dialogues, you start to understand, okay, so they're not going batshit crazy at me. They're not just giving me a hard time for like no reason at all. They're not being a sour grapes trying to basically rain on a parade of everything. This is what's happening for them, or this is why they respond to it in that way. Because once we are willing to have these conversations to try to understand where each person is coming from, first of all, we're deepening the intimacy in the relationship, but also we are starting to look at how do we collaborate together where, okay, you have this way of dealing with money. What I'm obviously interpreting that as meaning this. And I have my way of dealing with money and you're interpreting it as dealing with that. Well, what's the common way of the relationship? Like, what are our intentions here? Like, what do we both want here? Because I think that when we are clear on who we want to be or the type of relationship we want to have and how we want to feel, we can start making very distinct choices where we can go, okay, so this is not particularly helpful, me flipping my wig, and I'm actually talking about myself here. (laughs) flipping my wig about you know for instance mortgage here because my husband didn't even want it like when I say he didn't want to talk to me I don't mean in general I mean like he started to be very very wary of even approaching me about anything to do with the mortgage because I was so it was almost like I kind of gone into this thing once I made the connection between my past I was able to go I am behaving this way because this this and this is coming up and I just totally did not even realize it And all of a sudden, it was like all the tension went out of everything because, of course, he realized something was going on. He just had no clue. And I didn't either. So you have to have that open dialogue at the same time as well. It's also looking specifically, okay. so what are my habits and what are their habits and where is there a crossover? Mm. And where is the where's the tension coming from? Like, what's the big difference that's creating the tension here? And then it's, you, part of it is you're going to have awkward conversations and sometimes it's going to feel like you're not getting anywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. And over time, though, as each of you starts to understand, it's not about forcing one person's way or the other person's way because it's not about my way or their way. Yeah. It's the way of the relationship. And so it's, it's looking at, okay, how can we best move forward without me judging this as this is gonna like blow apart our relationship or what's the boundaries that we need here? Yeah. Like, yeah. where do I need to step back? Where do I need to step forward? Where do they need to be like, okay, I know I like to do things this way, but actually I also need to be mindful that they are uncomfortable with that. We can only get to these places from having these ongoing dialogues, having the difficult conversations, knowing when to step back and leave it alone. Cause sometimes we want to clobber it and be like, okay, well, do you agree with me? Am I right? <laughs> do you agree with me? Am I right? And it's like, don't aim to be like, well, okay, now you're, you're coming over to my side. It's yeah. like aim for, let each understand where each other is coming from. And the transition happens over time, not necessarily immediately. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, it took me and my husband, I think it took us 11 years before we could have a conversation about money without arguing. And you know what? That's okay. We're working on it, don't be wrong, but yeah. But that's okay because I think that's something that we mistakenly believe about relationships is that we can't have hot button subjects. Yes. And the, the, the aim, sure, 
if you're not making any headway whatsoever over that time, that's a different matter. Cause then it just sounds like you're having these conversations, but nobody's really saying the thing that needs to be said. So you just keep going back around and you both go off and do the same thing all over again until the next blow up. But it's bit by bit by bit by bit, you're inching forward. If you're both committed to each other and the relationship, but at times certain things that each of you do gets on the other's nerves, yeah. then even though that's going to happen, at the same time, it's not going to blow apart the relationship because some people say, oh, but they blah, 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 right? Well, that's the end of the relationship. But that's not the solution yeah. to everything. Yeah. Like you are allowed to have a hot button subject. Like we had that money thing. And that was primarily coming from my old stuff coming up and then not asking for help or not talking about why I was feeling the way that I was. Yeah. And I was sort of withdrawing to myself. And now it's like, well, no, you've got to ask for help and you've got to talk about when you are struggling and it's not necessarily I am struggling with money but it's like when you're struggling with work and your feelings around that or when we when we're not willing to ask for help that feeds its way into so many things and it isolates us as well it's like we don't want to be vulnerable we don't want to admit that we find something hard but I think also sometimes we put our partners or ourselves on pedestals and it's like well I don't want to be in a relationship that has a hot button subject and it's like mate you're in a relationship that has a hot button subject deal with it yeah yeah and I think also like do your part like for, for us we both had to do a lot of of healing of our own around that stuff and a lot of like our own stuff so that we could stop just poking each other and pro provoking a lot of it would be I'm trying to remember how they went now because they don't happen but it would just both both of us basically it was just like activated trauma inside us and then yeah. we'd go, <laughs> like, it would just and each of you like your husband comes in to the relationship with his money story, his yeah. baggage from the past. Yeah. You come into the relationship with your money story, yeah. your baggage from the past. And that the thing I say to people is when I say to people to look at what's the baggage behind it, it doesn't mean that the thing that's happening in the present isn't pissing you off, that it's yeah. not on your nerves, right? Yeah. That it's not as problematic as it is. But we and they would not be responding in the way that we each are if it weren't for the fact that we have the baggage. Yes. Because otherwise we could be present to the situation and we could be pissed off and whichever else without dragging in everything but the kitchen sink from the past. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. So we don't have time for my last question. Maybe we'll have to do this again at another time. We can talk. I'll ask you at the end, actually, if this is a subject you would like to talk at and then we can do a second episode <laughs> if we want to because yes. it's something I'd like to get into. So I have some quick fire questions okay. that I normally ask. So I'm just going to go to those. So the first one is finish this sentence. Money is. Freedom was the first thing that popped into my head. Yeah. So I'm going to go with that. So true. Favorite book. And we, we touched on this a bit earlier, but favorite book you've read recently. It doesn't matter if it's fiction or nonfiction or what it is. Wintering by Catherine May. I have that up there somewhere, up on my shelf behind me. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a surprisingly enjoyable read because I kept seeing it popping up. Yeah. But actually, yeah, really enjoyed it. Oh, I'll have to. I'm really, I'm just one of those people who's like, I think I'm reading three at the moment. Oh, oh we're, we're so similar. I like always have several books on the go. Yeah. And um, the impact of women making money is, finish that sentence. Oh, well, we can not only advance ourselves and, and break those, those cycles,
but I actually think we just get to be, do and have more of the things that allow us to really show up in the world as we are and to help others as well at the same time. Yeah, I agree with every single word of that. This is a bit of a change of pace, this one. If you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, that's a toughie. Oh, there's a few things I really love, but I actually think maybe okra. Ah, nice. I really love okra. But then as soon as I said that, I was like, no, 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 oxtail. And I was like, no, 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 something like that. But we'll go with okra. (laughs) That's exactly what I do. Yeah, there's very serious conversations going about that question. And then lastly, the best bit of money or business advice you've ever received and that you can remember. <laughs> oh, do you know, there's this um, book by Karen McCall, I think it's Financial Recovery. Mm. And she talks about how a need sustains you and a want entertains you. Mm. And that really stuck with me because it helped me to start being really mindful about how I was spending money because sometimes I was spending money because it was just the way I'd learned to make myself feel good you know the shoes the handbags the book that I probably don't really need to go and buy right now yes and you know it's like oh actually okay what what's the real need behind this Mm -hmm. and so noticing that difference between needs and wants has really gradually started to change my relationship with the likes of Amazon yes it's a problem I don't I don't have to have it now yeah I'm going to write that down. (laughs) Those books with me, like I'm just a problem with books. Like I just can't, I'm like, I'll forget. There's yeah. a function, right? Use the list function. You know how to do that. Yeah, I'm the same as well. It's like, you do, it's like, it's not a, like a, a burning thing like of right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me. I could honestly talk to you all day about this. I was just, it was such an absolute joy. Um, well, thank you so much, Ray, as well, for having me. I'm like, I was so honored. Like when I got the message, like, hey, do you want to come on a podcast? I was like, oh, hell yes. <laughs> um, can you let people know how they can find you as well? Uh, so the website is baggagereclaim.co.uk or .com. And social media wise, Instagram, it's at Natlu, N-A-T-L-U-E. And I noticed when I was sort of like preparing for today, you have a lot of podcasts for people to if they want to catch up on don't you yeah so um on the website i've got i think it's about 209 episodes of the podcast um i've got approaching 1700 blog posts i think so there is a lot of there's there's a lot there natty lou that they can be dipping into if they would like to if that sounds sorry um so yeah thank you so much um and like i said i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to natty after this and ask her about this one topic that comes up a lot I don't know. I'm wondering if I'll get somebody else in to talk about it at the same time. We might do a roundtable anyway. We can we can see. But um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And um, I hope everyone who's listening enjoys this um, as I have. Um, and I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Making Women. Please do go and leave us a review. They have a huge impact on getting podcasts like mine heard. I also wanted to let you know where you can find me. So if you want to find more of what I do, you can find me in my Facebook group, Money Making Women. Or you can find me on Instagram, I'm Ray underscore Dodd. I really want to say a special thank you to Emily Crosby, who edits these for me. And I will see you for our next episode.